Most of you know that last December I spent 25 days in the luxury resort known as Suburban Hospital. And on consecutive Sundays, I received news that, first of all, our good friend Jim Walker had passed away. Then the next Sunday, I received news, as you did, that our friend Dick Comroy passed away. And uh, being alone and trying to get through some really quiet, hard, dark nights, I uh, had a lot to think about. You know, you do too, right? You have those nights. And you just ask the Lord, are you sure you took the right guy? I mean, there's two men far better than me that are gone, and I'm here. Why is that? You ask yourself some pretty hard questions in there, and you kick around some answers, and of course, the Bible helps you have some insight. Paul said, if I'm to go on living, this means fruitful labor for me. That's what it's about. It means fruitful labor for me. I I desire to depart to be with the Lord in heaven. That's what he says. But if I remain, it means fruitful labor for me. And I didn't hear a voice. I heard a lot of voices actually down the hallway from where I was at. A whole bunch of them. But I didn't hear the voice of God. I just had this realization that my purpose in my life is to point people to Christ. For as many days as I have left, that's what it is. It's just to point people to Christ. And um, that's why I wanted to bring this couple of messages to you over the next month or so. I just call it Operation Andrew. It's simple stuff, but our job is to point people to Christ. There was a 14-year-old boy that moved to our town and into a neighborhood in our town. Uh, His name was Rick. He was quickly befriended by another boy who was also named Rick, who lived nearby. They both named Rick. We called one Rick, Rick Rolo. Rick Rolo. Because his body was shaped like the candy that's called by the same name, Rick Rolo. Now I know that was back in the days when nicknames were accepted, and you can't do that today because you might get sued or you might offend somebody. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. You can call me Snickers if you want. If I look like a Snickers, I don't I don't think you can offend me, but uh, one one night, these this new guy, the new Rick and Rick Rolo, decided to have a camp out in their backyard. New new friends, just kind of getting acquainted, you know, hanging out together, and uh, just the two of them sitting around a campfire doing what boys do that are 14 years old, talking about sports and girls and parents and school and. Crazy things, and then the conversation for a little bit moved serious to the night sky and the creator of the stars. And Rick Rollo, Rick Rollo was a follower of Jesus, and New Rick was not. And for just a couple of minutes, the conversation turned about the designer and how God could do such a thing as make those stars and then on to the cross and God's love, then back to sports and girls and parents and school. And Before the 
camp out was over, Rick Rollo invited new Rick to church sometime. And a few weeks later, I'll be darned, new Rick came with Rick Rollo. There's a bunch of guys our age there, always messing around. Church was not the most exciting thing, but hanging around with those guys was uh, always the unexpected. And by the way, there were some girls there, and also there were some snacks there. What 14-year-old guy doesn't like that? Uh, Rick came to the class. The teacher opened up the Bible and spoke about truth for a little bit, pointed us towards Christ. After it was over, we invited Rick to come out in the parking lot and throw the football around with us. He experienced a welcome. He experienced an acceptance. And it wasn't long until Rick, new Rick, surrendered his life to Christ and became part of us. And he's been my friend since age 14 till now. It's simple. It's just simple how it worked. You all have stories like that. You are, you have lived that story. How did you come to know Christ? One day my dad invited a co-worker over for dinner. His name was Floyd. He was young. He was married. They had no kids. They were new to town just having taken a job where my dad worked. My brothers were all elementary age at the time and we challenged dad and Floyd to some backyard football while dinner was getting fixed. And, um, Man, we had never really seen my dad play football with big guys. He only played with us, you know, and he was throwing the soft softballs to us and, you know, being nice to us. But man, my dad could throw the football a mile. And Floyd, we thought we could guard him, but he ran past us like we were standing in concrete. It's like, what? These guys are amazing. My dad and mom didn't have much, but they were clothed with Christ. And they invited a new couple to church sometime. And it wasn't long before they came. And they heard the news about Christ and they were taught. And my dad working with him day after day and doing lunch with him day after day, it rubbed off. And guess what? Uh, They became followers of Jesus. Footnote to that. In 1966, we had a TV that didn't work most of the time. Three channels, didn't work most of the time. And on the most critical day of my life, the first Super Bowl ever, our TV was on the blink. <laughs> razzing, frazzing, frickin' razzing, razzing. We tried to rabbit ears and the antenna and everything. Not going to happen. We went to Floyd's house to watch the Super Bowl. I'll always remember that. Thank you, Dad, for inviting him to church and being his friend. <laughs> Oh yeah, he became a Christian too, but thank you that I got to watch the Super Bowl. You have seen this happen a hundred times, haven't you? This is how it works. People go where they are invited and they stay where they're welcome. It's just a real simple plan. The Operation Andrew, word of mouth is still the most effective form of advertisement and personal evangelism. Have you heard about the new restaurant that moved into the old, the former Clarence Church of Christ on Main Street in Clarence? You should check it out. Just like that. Oh, have you been there yet? What if it was like? And a simple little conversation like that results in maybe you're going to a new restaurant to check it out. Operation Andrew is a simple, classic story 
of how to bring a friend to learn about Jesus. It's based on John chapter 1, verse 35 through 51. Here's how it goes. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God! When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother and tell him, We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel, Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked, Come and see. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, and you are King of Israel. Simple story, isn't it? A lot of amazing stuff in that story. Today I'm just going to focus on how to bring people. There's a whole bunch more there about the wonder of Jesus. But I want you to see that people go where they're invited and they stay where they're welcomed and no one welcomes people better than Jesus. He's just magnetic. This is uh, social networking before the internet. (gasps) You mean it could happen before the internet? Oh my! Yeah! John the Baptist identified Jesus to his friend Andrew. Andrew passed the news along to his brother Peter. Jesus talked with Philip. Philip quickly invited his friend Nathaniel. That just bing, bing, bing. That's just how it works. You've seen it work. You are a product of it working in your own life. The invitation was very simple. Just come and check it out. You should just come. You can make up your own mind. Just come and look. We do this all the time with subjects far less important than Jesus. Did you see that movie? Um, did you try that new pizza place? How about those bills? Did you see that play? And we just share that little information back and forth. But Philip was amazed. Jesus is the one. I, I like how he said, He's the one. We found the one. He fulfills the Old Testament promises, he said. That was important to a, a, a Jewish man. To us, maybe it doesn't quite have the same ring, but when a Jewish guy in those days heard that someone fulfilled the Old Testament promises, that the red lights go off like, what? 
Tell me more. Isaiah said Jesus will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Is that a mouthful? What one person could be that and do that? The Wonderful Counselor. He offers all you need in the way of truth and answers with these deep, satisfying truths that will help you understand. The, the Mighty God, he's, he's got the power to deal with any anything that you face. The relationship with the Everlasting Father. Man, you... We all crave this relationship with our dad, that we want it to be healthy and good and everlasting. But on earth, of course, there's, it's temporary and there's a lot of weakness involved in it. Not so with the everlasting Father. He's there for you. And the Prince of Peace? Whew. Man, does the world need that right now? All the things that we cry about, we have brokenness in us. God is in control. You can endure the storms because your life is built on the rock. We have found the one. Wow. And I notice that when people come and see, they find that Jesus is irresistible. I can't really find a better word than that. People need to be around it. With Jesus, everybody counts. And somehow they quickly realize that they're in the presence of somebody that cares and knows them. As you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I don't know, for me, I, I just marvel. I still marvel at the way He connected with all kinds of people. Any strata of the culture... He made a connection with the rich and powerful and the widows in poverty and the broken and the desperate people and people with diseases and children and blue-collar workers and the dangerous people and the rejects of society and people in the military. I mean, you name the category and He connects. I connect that with Jesus. I'm sorry, I conclude that with Jesus everybody counts. It's, the, it's a wonder. He knows you, and He still likes you. I mean, think about that for a minute. He knows all about you, and He still likes you. I just, man, oh man. When people realize who Jesus is and what He offers, they must find out more about Him. He's irresistible. Billy Graham held a massive crusade in London in 1954. The arena was jam-packed with people when two men arrived. They did not know each other and randomly sat down beside each other. And they quickly agreed in their just short conversation, they agreed they didn't like Americans and they didn't like any form of religion. They only came because it was free, it was indoors, it was a show, and they wanted to watch the show and make fun of it. But something happened that night. The Holy Spirit moved their hearts And when the invitation was given to come down and receive more information, have some questions answered, the one man stood up and looked at the other and said, i got to go down there. i got to find out more. And the other one says, I'm going too. He said, but wait a minute. Here's your wallet back. I'm a pickpocket. (laughs) 
he's irresistible. He just draws you. It's amazing. Another man arrived late to a meeting in London and the doors were locked to the arena. They had to prevent overcrowding. It was just so jam-packed. He was very disappointed. He had come a long way. There was a young street kid out there and they made a connection and the kid said, what's your, what's your deal? You tried every door. You can't get in. The guy said, I want to get in there. I've come a long way, but I can't. The doors are all locked. The kid said, well, I can handle that. And he calmly picked the lock so the guy could get in. The man went in, heard the story about Christ, and went that very night and surrendered his life to Christ and was baptized just the next day or two. That leads me to say that Jesus is magnetic. He draws people. Yes, He walks on water. Yes, He can feed 5,000 people. But it's, it's more than that. He surprises you with what He does to your heart. You don't know what He's going to do next. He's independent. He's fearless. He's kind. He's engaging. And He likes you. I note that Philip introduced Jesus as the one Moses and the prophets wrote about and as the son of Joseph of Nazareth. Well, that didn't impress him very much. Nazareth? I mean, sorry, we have some families from West Virginia here. My, my family came from West Virginia, but man, my other side of the family I always make fun of people from West Virginia. Just did. Just, just made fun of them. You know, Hicks from the sticks, you know, that's what they were, you know. Just had fun with them because that's where my mom's family was from. And she always had something to come back with us at, you know. Just good stuff. I mean, there's a little story that says a mom from West Virginia wrote to her son who had moved away and said, Dear son, I'm writing this letter to you very slowly because I know you can't read fast. That kind of of banter back and forth all the time, you know, all the time. Well, that's kind of the disdain that Nathaniel had. He's like, what? I know where Nazareth is. I don't really have any reason to go there. There's nothing to do. What, What is there? And can anything good come from there? But Philip answered those objections with just three simple words which I think you can memorize. Come and see. Check it out. I don't need to convince you about anything. Just get here and meet him. You'll see yourself. Just check him out. Um, Nathaniel concluded then, after just a short time, that Jesus was not only the son of Joseph, Joseph from West Virginia, I mean Nazareth, not just from Nazareth, but he concluded even more, he was the Son of God. And that just after a a relatively brief encounter there in John chapter 1, he was going to see a lot more after that, but man, just there was enough to convince him. That's what Jesus does because that's who He is, the Son of God. Better than any toy, deeper than any love greater than any achievement the long search for approval ends with him we don't need to work at impressing him because somehow 
He's already interested in us and already impressed by us. He was way ahead of Nathaniel, already knowing and accepting him and welcoming him. I mean, that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, is absolutely true. It could have been written by Nathaniel. The Bible says in Titus, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. It's Him, His His work, His mercy, His grace, the cross. He cared enough about me to come after me and save me. And the cool part of this is that there's no earning it with Jesus. You, you don't deserve it. It was freely paid by Him. Your effort to impress God and your effort to be impressive to others or to be seen by others, to be good enough to be saved, just drop it. It's according to His mercy He saved us. It's His work. My self-improvement plan almost always ends in failure. I want to be better. I want to do well. But it just doesn't work. But meeting Him, surrendering to Him, that's the turning point because from the inside He starts the transformation to make you more than you ever thought you could be from the inside out. So you conclude, like Andrew and Philip, that this Jesus is worth knowing. You might say, not me. I'm a loser. I know a lot of people feel like uh, they are unworthy of God's grace. Join the crowd. There's a long, long line of us. That's the key. You realize you're unworthy. You are a son or a daughter who has been kidnapped and held ransom by an evil enemy. And your father has been pursuing you and has already paid this unthinkable ransom to set you free. And you say, really? Can something like that happen to me? Let's quote Andrew, come and see. Come and see. Check it out. Now, there's many surveys that have been done over the years that reveal the same truth about how people come to Christ. Uh, I just picked a couple here. Between 75 and 90 percent of respondents to surveys say, I became a Christian because somebody invited me. But sadly, only about 2 percent of believers do what Andrew and Philip did, and that's invite people to things that point people to Christ. There's some block there that prevents us from offering this simple invitation to come and see. The spread of the good news is done through social networks. We we have this circle of friends, right? We have family. We have co-workers. We have friends. We have classmates. We have people in our world. Just Invite them. Come and see. And I don't know, I always found that people like to come not to a church service, but to things connected with the church, like a picnic. You know, um, things like a garage sale that we're having this week. Um, Maybe a Christmas Eve program. We're doing the Jesus Prom here the first of December. You can talk with Jordan about that, but it's a, it's a way for you just to invite people to come and say, hey, wow, that's pretty cool. 
I like that. And then Jesus starts doing what he does because he's irresistible and magnetic. So you just pray about an opportunity to invite someone to come and see. You can do it around a campfire at your house or invite people for a cup of coffee or a dinner, what have you. You know what's going on. But just use this simple prayer. Open my eyes, open their hearts, and open my mouth. It's just a simple thing. You should check it out. I know you have to screw up the courage sometime to do that. But it's worth it because Jesus is worth knowing. And of course you'll need to be intentional to leave your comfort zone to do that. We we just stay where we're comfortable. We eat familiar foods, we watch familiar shows, we hang with the same people. We're comfortable with them. Have you made any new friends lately? Who's the last new friend? I just asked that. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to go for it. But, man, I encourage you just to step out there. We don't make new friends unless we step away from our circle of comfort. Last week, Deb, my wife, heard about some newly arrived refugees in western New York. So she gathered up her courage, gathered up some household goods, got their address, drove over there. Her last text to me was, wish me luck. I'm going for it. And Bill Hybels has a book called Just Walk Across the Room about personal evangelism. He, he explains that she left her circle of comfort and went into the zone of the unknown. Because you don't know how it's going to go, right? You, you don't know where this is going to lead. And the Spirit of God working inside Deb caused her to feel compassion for a family to the point she would just step away from her friends step away from our family, and go meet people from a, a very different culture. If you want to help with that, talk to her. She's here today. She'd be happy to talk with you about that. Uh, what I'm trying to say is when you try to make connections with someone, you don't know where it's going to take you. It might go nowhere. Or it might plant a seed that's, that produces 10 years from now. I don't know. You just do your job. Uh, but we've seen it so many times. We don't know if we're... Our invitation is going to be received or not. But sometimes it happens and God does His amazing work in the zone of the unknown. So in the next few weeks, we're just going to try to present just these simple ideas of how Ananias entered the zone of the unknown when he went to talk with Saul, the persecutor of the church. Wow. That's the zone of the unknown. We're going to talk about how Philip entered the zone of the unknown to talk to a group of Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. But of course, if we're going to talk about leaving the zone of the, of, of the comfort zone, there's no greater example than what Jesus did for us, right? He left the close relationship with the Father and the Spirit. He left the worship of angels to come to earth wrapped in the skin of a baby. He knew mankind had made a total mess of things, and he knew before he got here that he would face rejection. But one of the biggest buts of the Bible. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So so Jesus stepped away from this adoring circle of comfort into the zone of the unknown, laying down his life for misfits like you and me. 
So the question is, why would God take such a gamble? Jesus said in Luke 19 that He came to seek and save lost people. That would be His top priority. Would you say lost people are His top priority? And people are facing this Christless eternity, and Jesus came for them. So you read the Gospels again and again, and you see, man, He was after people. Cheaters and liars and hypocrites and religious and rejects and sick and young and old and pagan and proud and possessed. He never left anybody out and He never left anybody as they were. He was always doing this irresistible, magnetic, transformative work. He was obsessed with people. And the clear expectation of Jesus is that His followers would have the same obsession, the same drive. God is worth knowing. He's worth inviting. I know that He gets blamed for a lot of stuff. Everything from uh, climate change to poverty to war to illness. But, man, the God of the Bible is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He loves and surprises. His mercies are new every morning. He gives joy and purpose. He's your Heavenly Father who wants to adopt you into His family. He isn't afraid of anything. Andrew concluded, there's no one like Him. You need to meet this guy. Come and see. So I just would challenge you over these next few weeks to join me. Just trying to find ways to introduce people to the God who does not reject, but the God who includes and welcomes everybody into His great plan. Um, Peter, the great famous Peter, was brought by his brother Andrew. Nathaniel, brought by Philip. And the gift goes on. Every one of you have a story of the people who influenced you to come to Christ. Everybody has an amazing story. I think in heaven there might be just a, a room just for that, how I came to Christ. And just one story after this amazing stories. Uh, if you believe Jesus is the one, the way, the truth, and the life, then the single best thing you can do for people is explain how they can get connected to the way, the truth, and the life. Come and see. But to do that, you'll need to leave the comfort zone. So I need to conclude. I can invite the worship team back up now. I would just challenge you and me um, to live as though you actually believed this. That your family and your co-workers and your neighbors would be better off if they knew Jesus. They'd be better off. And maybe you've tried before and said, ah, it's not working with them. I get it. I know. Just a simple invitation. Find some event, some movie, some opportunity. and just Come and see. Try it. Come and see. And see where it leads you. And this isn't about guilt or obligation. It's just priority and passion for people like Christ. I, I know that your stories include people like Philip and Andrew who invited you. 
And people who walked into your world reflect the kindness and love of Christ, the hospitality of Christ. They invited you to come and see. And so that's, that's my challenge. Memorize that. Come and see. And let's do it together. Uh, the Lord crossed the entire universe to rescue you. He must love you beyond description. So I would just say reflect His love and repeat His action. That's the challenge. Would you stand with me, please? If you would like to come and see, like to learn more about Christ, I'd be happy to meet you down front and try to answer some questions. I can't answer them all, but I can point people. I can point you to some scriptures and have you look them over. But I invite you to come and see and accept this invitation to be made right with God.